1: Welcome back, everybody, to the Hold That Podcast podcast. I am your host, Chris Branch, alongside my co-host, Brody Miller. And I say that very uh, plainly because last week was such a busy week that we forgot to introduce ourselves in our third podcast of the week. So uh, speaking of our third podcast, Brody, you have thoughts?
2: <laughs> well, I, I just wanted to like start out addressing something because I, I gathered there was so much frustration in my mentions and your mentions and just like overall comments about that last episode because we had Matt Fortuna on who is a national reporter at the Athletic who covers Notre Dame well and i and there's a lot of frustration about him pointing out a lot of negatives with Brian Kelly i would say to you guys listen we Chris and I have talked at length about a lot of the positives of Brian Kelly, and by the way, we're going to continue to like if you've read my two stories I've written so far on the hire, they are pretty overwhelmingly positive about like how good of a coach he is and how big of a hire that is for Kelly. But guys, you like we are not LSU fans. Well, Chris is actually, but yeah, you know, no, I mean, everyone says, yourself. everyone cries. Oh, I want an unbiased reporter. I'm sick of biased journalism. Until you get it, you know, and and then it's like, wow, look at this guy, and it's. Matt Fortuna is not being biased in his criticism of Brian Kelly. He's just covered him for a very long time. He knows the ins and outs and it's actually, like you guys are going to follow this team for the next you know decade, If like assuming he stays on. You need to also know the good and the bad. So that is why we preface a lot of that. And by the way, Matt, Matt through all of the n- things he was pointing out that, by the way, weren't like he's bad. It was just like things you should know. He also ended up by saying, I think he's going to win really big there. So it's like pointing out negatives aren't on somebody, And I just think it's worth starting our pot talking about that because I did get so much anger there. And we are going to also talk about the good and the bad with Brian Kelly. And, and speaking of the good, you know, we're, we're recording this at a 1030 a.m. Tuesday morning and some hires have been made. And I, I'll throw back to Chris for that.
1: Yeah, no, uh, hires have been made. One, one thing I, w- I would like to say on that is that, you know, Matt is very well sourced at Notre Dame and he was giving us Notre Dame's perspective. You know, I don't think you should take that as Matt being biased or Matt, you know, being anti uh, Brian Kelly, but Matt was relaying uh, accurately what Notre Dame people think about him. Whether that's fair or not, we can all decide. And I think we just got to let it settle in a little time. Um, Anyway, there was, I think, some of that negativity and worry was that, you know, some staff might not like Brian Kelly. He might have trouble hiring people. And it turns out, as just broke this morning, uh, one of them by uh, my esteemed co-host Birdie Miller. That LSU staff is coming together. Birdie, break it down for me.
2: Yeah, I think you know as I reported this morning that the I think it's pretty much the first hire he really made, and and I know I was even told the first day he was really not doing media stuff. His focus was support staff, and and it's been rumored for a few days, but it is now clear that he is. Hiring a uh, co director of strength and conditioning, Jacob Flint, to be to replace Tommy Moffitt, which is a huge deal at LSU to run his strength staff at LSU. And, you know, we had previously reported he first did pursue Matt Bayless, who is the kind of the head guy at Notre Dame and a pretty revered guy now and kind of like one of those three or four like elite, elite strength coaches in the country. And he didn't get him, he stayed at Notre Dame. But Flint is really interesting, uh, and and also we'll get to it in a second, but he and Bruce Feldman, our other colleague, also reported that he just hired Brian Pollian, a special teams coach, bringing with him from Notre Dame. He was also head coach in Nevada for a few years and was at one point like a hot rising candidate. And, and I think those two hires, and I think there are other hires that are happening we just can't report yet, but I, I think uh, what's interesting about both these hires is they are both two very um, – giving you stability at the top hires, you know, leadership hires, I think would be a good way to put it. Like Brian Pullian's associate head coach, and he was the recruiting coordinator before Marcus Freeman came on, and then I think Freeman took that over. But, you know, strength, and and we'll get to Pullian more in a second, but strength coach, I think most people who really know the ins and outs of college football would tell you is the most important hire any football coach makes. They are the person who is actually with the players most every day. The guys who really know what's going on with the team. The guys who are building, you know, the future of your program and actually building up these guys to get to where you actually want them to compete with the best. And like, and I can't overstate enough the part of that. They are like the human connection for a coach. That's why Scott Cochran was like the most valuable strength coach for 15 years under Nick Saban because he, Saban was the distant CEO, the bad cop. And and Cochran was kind of the guy who got to know them in and out. And, and I know, Chris, I'll defer to you in a second, but I, I recommend reading Pete Sampson's really good piece from about two years ago on Flint and how he was this must-have guy for Notre Dame because I think what he does, what Flint's great strength is, and, and I'm sorry I'm going on so long, but he was kind of the guy who, again, he's been with Kelly since. He played for Kelly at Central Michigan uh, as a walk-on and then got a scholarship, followed him to Cincinnati as a strength coach, followed him to Notre Dame. Uh, Got a chance when they fired the old strength coach to get the job, but they hired Bayless, but was clearly like number two and Bayless is high on him. Kelly has come out saying this guy's going to run into a program sooner or later. And what Pete's story, there's one section I'll read is, you know, it says when players can't share something with Bayless, they'll share it with Flint. When telling their position coach doesn't feel right. Telling Flint usually does. If players need an extra workout, Flint is there with the weight room keys. When players don't have it, when they need back off training, Flint will hear them out there too. No judgment. And and I think that's interesting to me because Kelly is, you know, it's just the truth. I mean, anyone will tell you. He is more of the distant head coach. You know, like he's not a coach the players are gonna be talking to every day. He's the overseeing CEO and maybe even more than an Ogeron is. So having Flint and that being one of some of his great skill sets on top of obviously the smarts and the strength and conditioning, I just think is really important because Kelly's going to need that, especially to win over a new team, especially just with how he does things. That's really important. So I recommend reading that piece. I'll have another one, whether it comes up tomorrow or Thursday, but I just think that's really important and, and I'll throw it back to you. Chris.
1: Yeah. I mean, as an LSU fan, it is nice. I, I know that um, nobody really knows how Brian is moving behind the scenes but it is nice to see a couple of uh, splashes. I, I know that uh, they're not like unexpected hires, but at the same time, it is uh, setting a foundation a little bit for Brian, the Brian Kelly era. It was, you know, we had all this fanfare and then, you know, the coaching carousel kind of whisked itself away from us and there was no word on who we were going to hire as a coordinator, which we haven't heard yet. But, you know, it's, it's nice to have some stability and it seems like both of these guys are pretty well-respected. Uh, Pauline's a good recruiter. Uh, did you say his title was going to be associate head coach? Is that, is that I don't thing? know
2: if that'll be at LSU, but that was his title at Notre Dame. And sometimes okay. I just kind of would assume he gets a similar title here.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. No, I mean, that makes me feel good. I, I can't speak expertly on these guys just yet, but, um, you know, it, it is good. And especially, and we, we can get into Tommy Moffat right now, because I think a lot of people were very shocked that Kelly, uh, Politely dismissed Moffat, who has been a stalwart in the program since 2000, I believe. Yeah. Um, you know he has been a a staple in that building, and now he's um he's not here. I, I'm curious because it seemed like it was overwhelmingly everybody loves him. Everybody loves Tommy Moffat, and that's great. But it is like, is this a bad move?
2: Um. Oh man, it's such a tough question to answer because there's so many levels to it, right? Tommy Moff right. is a legend, right? He is revered. I think you could even make an argument he's like the godfather of modern strength and conditioning. He was Sabin's guy. Pretty much like every great SEC guy, at least for the last like 15, 20 years, kind of came from him. Like he's he's a legend, and he's and it's not like he's going out on a bad note, right? Like he was still revered to the last day. Nobody ever turned on him or anything like that. But I think the best way to put these things sometimes is that there doesn't need to be like a glaring issue or a, I know a lot of people will point out the the constant injuries the last 2 years and I'm not going to ignore that but also just and I just I know you know this Chris but like I'm also not going to pretend I can pinpoint what an injury is coming from we'd be lying to each other if we did like maybe totally I'm not ignoring it but I don't know but I think there is just comes a point when a guy's been somewhere 21 years And the results on the field are kind of going downhill. And that's not Tommy Moffitt's fault. But I think sometimes when things are just going downhill and a guy's been there long enough. And also, I think a lot of people would tell you LSU just doesn't look physically like. I remember there's a huge discourse after the UCLA game, right? When Mm -hmm. it was like, hey, LSU's more talented, but UCLA looks more talented. You know, and I think a lot of that does come down to strength and conditioning and whatnot. So point being. I, I just think sometimes there comes a point where it's just time for a change, you know, and I think people I talked to, I think Moffat had understood from throughout. By the end of this season, he understood like, whether he retired or what. This was going to be it, and and you know Kelly did make the decision to let him go. But I won't say it's a bad move, just because I think sometimes things are time. It's a legend. I love Tommy Moffat. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's one of my favorite guys to talk to. So just to you know, like the personal side of it too. But I just think, yeah, I think it is time for a fresh change. It is also important, probably, for Kelly to have his guy. You know, like with Ogeron, I think it was about keeping continuity, like Marucci, uh, Moffitt, like keep the continuity, Randa. And I think right now it's actually about resetting. That's what this all needs to be about. So I think it's a smart move, and also he needs his guys. That's just important. That's the,
1: that's my main thing. I mean, you know, I, I feel like there was this outpouring of support for Tommy Moffitt, which is totally valid. People love him. But also it was it was very negative, and people seem almost seem hurt. And I, I think you have to let the new head coach actually – be his own head coach and especially somebody who brings the uh the gravitas that brian kelly brings of you know he's a big time head coach at other programs it's not like he is stepping in from an interim role or he is trying to really win over a lot of people already and needing to uh mollify people that's that's not what he's doing so i'm gonna trust his judgment for now i mean talk to me in week two when lsu's getting blown off the line I hope that doesn't happen, but maybe, maybe, maybe not. Um, But I actually really like the, um, honestly, the balls of it. I mean, he probably knew that it would make a negative ripple, and uh, he still did it anyway because he felt strongly about it. So I am tentatively for it while saying thank you to Tommy Moffat for what he did for LSU. I mean, talk about somebody who has been from the nadir of LSU, modern LSU football to the peak of it and maybe back down to the bottom. It's Tommy Moffat. Uh, yeah. so the guy see. has seen, uh, this program through it all, uh, in, in recent history. And I mean, as uh, much as we, well.
2: as much as everyone boasts LSU is three titles under three coaches. Well, you know, who's been the steady force through that Tommy Moffat mm-hmm. and Jack Marucci. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you, I'm not saying that's literally that simple, but you could even make an argument. He is the one common denominator through three titles.
1: I'm, I'm choosing to trust Brian Kelly for now. Uh, I, I think he probably knows what he's doing, so we'll see.
2: Yeah. Uh, And again, I'll just say, sometimes, you know, like, he's, he's been here a long time. Sometimes you're just not the guy at the top of things anymore. You know, like, that's just okay. Like, that isn't an insult to him, like... There's going to come a day when I don't well Nick Saban is an alien, so not him. But most elite head coaches, there is a point where Bobby Bowden's just not winning like he used to. That's just okay, Uh, but you know it doesn't mean he wasn't still amazing and a legend. So, and, and I think with both these hires we're talking about right now, there is a theme of, and those are just the ones out so far. I believe he also has a nutritionist. I just don't know who that is yet. There's some other. I think there's some other stuff we'll get to in a second. But special teams coach and strength coach are literally. I'd say, uh, other than maybe like equipment manager, the two jobs on staff that are the most you oversee the whole team. You are, co- I would put it as those are the two co-head coach jobs. Those are, that that's the best way to put it. Their special teams coach is the only other pr- on staff coach who literally coaches the entire team. They have meetings and address the entire team, so that is relevant. It's somebody who will be kind of that, you know liaison with Kelly to the whole team and that is exactly what a strength coach is too they coach the entire team so there is a little bit of a top-down kind of thing happening right now where those hires are the hires that are going to help Kelly build his culture the most while the rest of the hires are going to be a little more like x's and o's and what the football is going to look like but but those hires are the most important
1: let's let's move on to those x's and o's because the coordinators have been a hot topic and I I can feel the anxiety from the base when are we going to hire a coordinator? When are we going to hire a coordinator? Um, there's been names out there. You know, uh, I know that a name for the OC job was Jeff Levy, and it seems like he is going with Brent Venables to Oklahoma. For the last report I saw, I don't know if that's confirmed. But what do you, are you hearing? Any coordinator names? Do you do you have any inklings on? even people he would consider just, just give me the latest.
2: Yeah. And with Jeff Lebby, it's going to be, uh, I know our colleague, Chris Fanini reported that, and that is expected. I, I I don't know if that, that has not been necessarily confirmed. I don't think so. I don't know exactly what's going to happen there, but, um, the two I had heard, you know, the most were definitely, um, Jeff Lebby and Kendall Bryles. And I was told Mm -hmm. by multiple people that they would take it. If LSU offered now, have to address the elephant in the room. Um, And by the way, Chris Lowe and Chris Vanini have reported plenty of people have. So I'm sure Jeff Lebby is going to Oklahoma. So maybe we should take Lebby off, but um, both are guys who have a a direct tie to the Art Bryle scandal at Baylor, which that is Mm -hmm. kind of the one one of the very few scandals where, like, you can't even try to yada yada that. That is right. uh, a huge red flag. Ken, uh, Jeff Lebby is Bryles' son-in-law and also was one of the coaches implicated mm-hmm. in it. Uh, and Kendall Bryles obviously uh, Mark Bryles' direct son. Uh, but both are also elite offensive coordinators, quite frankly. Kendall Bryles Correct. is the guy who, you know, took Arkansas under Sam Pittman to the next level and all of a sudden has made them a consistent top 25 team despite not being as talented as the rest of this SEC. And Lebby, again, probably take off, but Lebby is the, the play caller on Ole Miss's brilliant offense. I know Kiffin's mm-hmm. kind of a, a great offensive coach, but Lebby really runs that offense. So both those guys would be home runs in a lot of ways. So it, it, on the field, you know what I mean? But those are mm-hmm. some of the names I've heard. And obviously Joe Brady's name is being ridiculously thrown around, thrown around right now, but I just don't know if there's much legs to that being a possibility. I'm sure I'm Scott Wood... Yeah, go on.
1: I'm not even gonna consider it because we we all knew, and you know, I know you reported this right after he took that job, but he wanted to be in the NFL. He wants to be in the NFL, yeah, and I get why. And I think that another NFL team will probably give him some sort of chance. Uh, he also is unemployed. That's a fair point, but I don't know. I don't even know if if, if I mean, as an LSU fan, hell yeah, <laughs> come on, buddy, come on <laughs> down. But if I'm thinking objectively. I don't even know why he would want to do that. Do you know the amount of pressure he would have on him? <laughs> to, I, I mean, you will never be able to live up to the job you did that one year. That's yeah. It's impossible. So why would you even go back to that? I mean, I'm sure that if LSU offered him, they would make him the highest paid offensive coordinator in the country. But at the same time, it's just, I don't know. So I'm, I'm not even going to consider it as a fan. I'm not putting my heart in it at all. I do not assume that Joe Brady would be the offensive coordinator at LSU. Um, if he does, great. I love that. But if not, then that's fine too. And we move on.
2: Yeah. No, I I, I think there's even a great another discourse to have that I just don't really feel like having today because I had so much of 2019 and 2020 that I'm exhausted from it, <laughs> is the whole like Who gets credit for the off 2019 thing which is I will minimum I will we're not doing that we're not micro version guys a lot of things come together Joe Brady does get credit for bringing that modern offense and being the guy who brought a scheme that Steve Ensminger did not know how to run at all and he would tell you that Joe Brady did bring that and Joe Brady did a lot of really sharp play calling stuff he absolutely is a really bright brilliant young coach and Steve Ensminger also did call a lot of the plays and also does deserve a ton of credit and also yeah no offense works if you don't have a masterful quarterback you know like a Joe Burrow. It all comes together. I would also point out to people this is more of a Joe Brady defense, but like Matt Rule was on the verge of getting fired a few weeks ago, right? About two weeks or last week even. And clearly it looks like they're keeping him on. But a lot of times when you, you see, we saw this at Florida, we saw this in Nebraska, Michigan. A lot of times when you agree to keep a coach on, that usually comes with a scapegoat being needed, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't think I look at anything last two years thinking Joe Brady's not a great offensive coach. Or I mean, I don't. He's not a bad one. I think it was the quarterback situation was way messier than they realized. And yes. literally Brady was, after his first year, was the stock was even higher and he was interviewing for head coach jobs. So mm-hmm. I assume he will still get a call somewhere in the NFL. I really do. And yeah. also I would be surprised if he wants to go back to recruiting. I just would. Maybe he's humbled after this and maybe realizes college is his best bet. You never rule that out. I mean, he was a good recruiter, so don't rule that out. But I just wouldn't count on it and I don't even know if LSU's actually called him. So anyway. Let's Back move
1: the, on. Yeah, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. I, 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 feel your your fatigue, and I also feel that. So, <laughs> before we before we move on to actual football games, are there any uh, names you are hearing, or even things that uh, dots you can connect on a possible defensive coordinator?
2: You know, not not really. Is the f- I mean, offense? I've okay. heard a few names. Defense, not really. The only one I have heard is I do think there is interest in Pete Golding at Alabama. Um, mm. Obviously really fast-rising coordinator who got to BAM at a very young age, and he's from Hammond, so Louisiana Connections there, is their main Louisiana recruiter. you know. Uh, so mm-hmm. that w- there's a lot of – but there's just always that part of like, will he really leave Alabama? I don't know. Scott Woodward has proven an ability to get guys to leave where you don't think will leave. Home is th- a thing. I don't know if everyone loves working under Nick. Again, I don't know. I'm not pretending to know if Pete Golding is an actual possibility, but that is the one name I've been told is like they would like Pete Golding. But huh? – they're keeping I would things like Pete Golding. <laughs> yes. He's like the most hated man in Tuscaloosa despite being very good at his job. Uh, uh, yeah, that's stupid. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, so I, I think LSU's keeping things pretty close to the vest on uh the entire coordinator hiring process. I don't mm-hmm. think you can I would be surprised if it's Durante Jones, but I would not rule out Durante Jones, at least being a possibility just because of the great work he did. I think the staff, the the administration, I could say, does think highly of him. And players love him. But I, I, I'd also say, you know, I've talked to some sources that as of yesterday morning, Durante Jones had still not been even, had not spoken to Brian Kelly. Like Kelly had not even reached out to Durante Jones. And, and for that, most of the staff. He's talked to Brad Davis, I know for sure. And he might okay. have talked more, but that's all. The only one I really know, you know, the rest is he's not spoken to most of that staff. So I I don't know if that bodes well for Kelly. But I also had heard that Kelly kind of wants to evaluate the staff throughout the bowl circuit, and I don't know if that's I don't know if that's a smart plan. I mean, a lot of these guys need to know their future. They need to figure out all their jobs. So I don't know if that's a great plan. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of what I've heard on that front.
1: Fair enough. Uh, Brad Davis is a great segue. Uh, That is interim LSU head coach, Brad Davis. And LSU has another football game this year, y'all. It it was announced yesterday, I believe, that LSU is playing Kansas State in the Texas Bowl, which is one of those bizarre bowls that I believe it's happening January 4th. Hell yeah. So it's like in between the semifinals and the final, we get these uh, appetizers of very mediocre bowl games. Uh, I don't know how many people outside of the LSU and Kansas State fan base will actually want to watch this game. I will be fascinated to watch for my own personal reasons because I'm a, a LSU sicko fan that wants to watch this. Um,
2: also, by then, I'll be so desperate for football because it feels like football is ending. I'll probably be like, hell yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's like a Tuesday night. I, you know, I, 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 saw, well, I saw the announcement. And I was like, oh, you know, I go over to Houston and then it's like Tuesday, man. Like, I, I can't. I can't do that. I can't take off of work and do all that. So, um, especially after the holidays. So, what are we looking for in this Kansas State matchup? Because LSU is even more in flux. You know, with nobody knows who's staying, and who's going. It's going to be an audition for a lot of those players, and even maybe some coaches. You know, I, I wrote this in the rundown that I'm very interested to see how Brad Davis handles things because I feel like he would be pretty important to retain. He's a good offensive line coach and a good recruiter. Uh, give me your thoughts
2: um wait I'm so sorry you cut out there for a brief moment um thoughts on what exactly
1: how Brad Davis (laughs) handles things
2: yeah I think Brad Davis is a guy who um he is pretty well respected I think is a good way to put it like he is an intense dude for sure he's uh and he I think he's a tough guy but at the same time he is you know somebody who I mean I've talked to a few recruits for a story that'll come out later this week at some point they're like man like and Brad Davis' only been there for what, five months? And they're like, mm-hmm. I I if Brad Davis isn't kept on, it's gonna change things for me. So I do think, you know, he has an ability to probably be good at this role. And but I think it's also gonna be about just he i think he probably also understands this is an audition for everyone so it's probably a lot about letting Durante jones and jake pete's you know try to you know look good and get themselves a job somewhere and letting a lot of these young guys he i think he even said in his interview like i it, it's really important for those young guys to develop these next few weeks even more than the older guys which is 100% true i mean mm-hmm. i i that's why like when people were like what else you even take a bowl i was always like I don't, I mean, yeah, like that is, and I had an administrator say that is the most, like, that is such a key time for development because you are not, for three weeks you're practicing and you're not just focused on that game, week's game. You are literally focused on development. Like for two weeks you're right. right, thinking about the next game. That's where Jamar Chase and, and Terrace Marshall made their leap in 2018 to set up 2019. That's where Devin White made his leap in Oh, was it, 2016? Yeah, uh, and and kind of took the leap. So I, I really do think this is important for that, and I do think you will see a lot of young guys, which they already have for the past five weeks, so that's not changing much, but you're going to see young guys really get a chance to show out. And it's going to be an interesting matchup, man, because I know Skyler Thompson's been hurt, and I'll be honest, I don't know if he's out for the bowl as well, but Kansas State's good. Like, Kansas State's better than LSU, off most understandable info, right? They were seven and three before Thompson went down, which I don't think anyone really knew. And they actually had Baylor and Texas both on the ropes without Thompson, and kind of could have won those games. They're good, really good defense. Number eighteen defensive SP plus ranking in the country. They're just a well-run team. They're coached by Chris Kleiman, who's the guy who you know built that you know, dynasty at South Dakota State, or was at least a big part of it. So it's going to be a tough game. Like if LSU just treats this as like a who cares about this bowl game, they will get whooped. That's just the truth.
1: I believe that was North Dakota State. Dude, Sorry, somebody sorry. corrected
2: me. I feel terrible, but somebody cr- I said North Dakota State a few days ago, and someone was like, no, man, it's South Dakota State. Now it's in my head, so I apologize.
1: It's okay. I apologize to our two North Dakota listeners. It is North Dakota State. I'm sorry. Okay, it's fine. Um, Yeah, Kansas State is a much more, let's say, polished team than LSU is. LSU has been literally in flux for more than half a season, it feels like. Um, we don't know who's the certain quarterback we don't know what's I mean, what defense we're running like I think that the LSU that played at the end of the year can probably beat this team uh, I think they definitely could beat this team but I think Kansas to excuse my French Kansas state has a shit together more than LSU has all year so we'll <laughs> see, we'll see what version of LSU comes out. I, I'm hoping it is the uh, pressure packed. Uh, blitzing defense of Durante Jones and maybe some of that good some of that good play calling that we saw from Jake Peets in the Texas A&M game true would just be lovely and maybe maybe some more progression from Max Johnson would be great (laughs) I have to say that I I assume I I don't know if you're hearing anything about our quarterback situation but I have to assume that he is auditioning for a role as well
2: of course Um,
1: it, it it will go a long way for his standing at LSU I mean The the only thing I feel certain about LSU's quarterback situation is that Walker Howard is coming in because he was already coming here. His second choice was Notre Dame. Yeah, so there's no way he's not coming. His dad's. Uh, dad's And then is Garrett Nussmeyer staying? Who knows? Is Max Johnson? I mean, yeah, from and just.
2: Yeah, from what I've heard, just so people know, like I've heard Garrett Nussmeyer does plan on competing this spring. Like, what I pinpoint is somebody to watch. I I mean, I would assume either Johnson or Nussmeier is not here by next fall. I think that is fair. Right. I think Walker Howard, from what I've talked to people close to him, kind of indicated he would, like, they want him to redshirt. You know what I mean? Like, they think big picture on this. They don't want to, like, throw him into the fire. Like, sure, if he's good enough to win, maybe, and take the job, maybe. But... They, they're open to that. They would like that. So I, I do think one of Nussmeier-Johnson, though, probably leaves. Let's just be realistic. I've been told Nussmeier wants to compete. Obviously, Johnson didn't have the best year, but you never know what a new staff's going to do. So, yeah. Sorry I didn't mean to interject there, but that's just kind of what I'm hearing. You
1: about said what I wanted to say very succinctly.
2: So you did a great job, <laughs> Um And, and I'm fa- – oh, go. Yeah, go.
1: No, that, that's what I'm curious about because it feels like – I assume Nussmeier is not playing in the bowl game.
2: No, he, he is not playing anymore this year.
1: So it is it is Max's Max's chance for better or worse, you know, the Texas m game was such a weird combo of Max Johnson looking like you know Stonehenge in the pocket for six drives in the, in, in the second half. and I just felt like he couldn't see anybody coming. He couldn't see any coverages. and then all of a sudden he looks like Tom Brady on the final drive. <laughs> um, so I have no idea what that even means for him. But I I hope that he shows shows out well and um, that LSU's quarterback situation is healthy and smart next year. But we'll see. It's tough
2: because man, like we can't ignore. Like, I do. I'm not going to sit here and claim I think Max Johnson is or isn't great. Like I mean, he didn't look great this year at a lot of important times. But it's like I that offense was a mess. So it's just hard to like mm-hmm. directly be like, hey, this you know. Because, man, Jake P. Pe- I I mean, the criticism of Jake Pete's has been well documented. They couldn't run the ball, so that set him up to fail. And then they couldn't, fe- like, like things weren't formatted to set up the next thing. It was really messy. So I I do think, you know, it's just hard to tell. So I wouldn't be surprised if Kelly and a new OC, like, have an offense that makes life better for him. Or I wouldn't be surprised if Nussmeyer just beats him out next spring. I have no idea.
0: We'll but will uh,
2: Yeah. The other thing I'm just, I like, because you mentioned Durante Jones and the defense, like, This will be just another really good test and a good audition for Jones because even if he's not kept on, I mean, he's a guy you would think deserves a good D.C. opportunity. I mean, I had one staffer crank up like crank out the stats and actually send them to me uh, of basically pointing out the pre bye week LSU defense and the post-bi-week LSU defense. Mm
0: -hmm. And...
2: Again, I would just tell you I've had multiple sources say like Ed Ogeron did not let Durante Jones do exactly what he wanted to do for the first eight games. Okay, (laughs) you know take that Mm -hmm. how you will, but and I think a lot of that was you know the terror from the Pelini season, people being confused. He wanted to simplify, and that led to oversimplification. So like you know I'm not like criticizing. Oh, that makes sense to me. But still, point being, Durante Jones was not allowed to do what he wanted to do, and then the second he was. Uh, LSU ranked top 5 and they went from basically ranking about 10th in every single SEC statistical category. I mean, they were allowed 29 points a game, 409 yards of total defense, 6 yards per play offensively, all that stuff to top 5 in every single SEC category in the final 4 games. Uh, 18.5 points a game, only 300 yards of offense a game, 4.6 yards per play. I mean, the sack numbers were crazy. They started blitzing. They went from the least blitzing team I think in power five to like one of the most aggressive. So I, I, I really do think Jones should be judged more by those four games, especially because those were against four, three of the better teams they played, it, right? Yeah. Bama, it was, it was Arkansas, the best part of and, the schedule. Yeah. So a team that's now number one seed. So that's not even about the bowl. It's more just me saying like, Hey, let's give Durante Jones some credit for what he did this year.
1: We'll see. We'll see how he does. I mean, I, I I'm excited for me the way. Like I, I think I said that, uh, Durante and a lot of the players earned a lot of uh, good feelings from me for for how they performed down the stretch. So I I hope it works out for him either way. Um, let's go down the list. Let's talk about. Are there any other rumblings of transfers uh, that either coming in or leaving that you've heard?
2: Um, I I'll just be honest. I have not heard of others in that department. I, I mean I Eli Ricks is not expected to return. Um, that is you know I think his family. He even said that on, on air last week. So I, I would be surprised if he comes back. I don't know about Bug Strong, but for the most part, I don't know if there's gonna be a ton more to leave. And obviously that's yeah, you know, with any team. Like, you know, when you have a new coach, you expect some you know, maybe some fat gets cut and all that. You know, that's just normal. Mm. But I don't know I, I talked to one or two players who were like, Yeah, we're excited. Like I don't know if anyone really wanted to leave right now. So I don't know if that's cool. expected urgently, but same time, don't quote me on that.
1: Right. I guess we'll see, but that, that, that's good to know. I was I was interested to see that there was a report, uh, I think from somebody from 247 this morning, that said Ohio State basically stopped its pursuit of Eli Ricks, which uh, during his recruitment, Ohio State was the other school in play for Eli. And uh, it's just kind of surprising that they would turn down a top flight corner uh, to not play for them, which is an interesting call. And I was, you know, the fan in my heart said, maybe he'd come back. But I guess that's not true.
2: <laughs> yeah. But uh, at the same time, you know, I, I, Eli Rex is a really good football player and All-American. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, sometimes I'll just say there is something noticeable about once him and Stingley were both off the field, how the secondary played even better in some ways. So, again, they're studs, and LSU wishes they had him. But at same, I, I, I think LSU will be okay in the secondary.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I, 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 that's also all that kind of stuff depends on. Who you're bringing in as coordinators. You know, we circle back to the, the start of the podcast. Um, last question before we get out of here, Brody, it, because the coordinators is the next logical thing to happen. I mean, LSU is going to be practicing for these next three and a half weeks and we have plenty of time to talk about a Texas ball matchup with Kansas state. What do you, do you have any inkling of the timing on the coordinator hires? Like, is that something that's happened this week, next week?
2: Um, I would expect, well, it's just tough, right? I think, Especially if there's some candidates we're thinking of, they might be people who are busy for the next, you know, four mm-hmm. weeks. So maybe those are on hold. But at the same time, you want these things fast. I, I even talked to one or two recruits' parents who were like, "Hey, like, you know, people who aren't commits," and they're like, "Who they hire as, I don't know, receivers coach or coordinator. Like that matters." Uh, so I I do think there's some incentive to get this done pretty quick. I would expect more movement this week, one hundred percent. But at the same time, I just. Especially if it's say uh, Pete Golding, like I don't think that would happen until after the playoff.
1: Well, the other good thing if they're not hiring anybody is that we get more of an inkling that you know a coordinator or two might be busy with the playoff. So uh, either way, but you know it it is good to hear that Brian Kelly has started to build the foundation. We're we're seeing some some proof of that, Uh, and I'm excited, man. I I feel like this coaching carousel has been so insane. I mean, I wrote in the newsletter today about the whole Mario Cristobal saga, which has somehow would normally dominate the entire coaching cycle, but it, a day later, it doesn't super matter because you still have Lincoln Riley at USC, you still have Brian Kelly at LSU, and you still have Brent Venables at Oklahoma. So it's just, it's wild. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to hear more news though, but it's a good start
2: no absolutely um and yeah i think i think the real test of ryan kelly the first time we can even pretend to evaluate him i think is early signing day we're gonna see hey does he hold on to these commits I and mean, he has made clear his priority is the commitments i think that's smart mm-hmm. so if, if you can keep those 13 commitments or most of them maybe bring in a few more i mean that's essential so um yeah i think that's when we'll judge and the rest is just you know we're, we're faking it <laughs> love that
1: Well, thanks for your time today, Brody. Uh, Thank you. See you next week.
2: I will see you next week, friend. Bye, y'all.